Hallelujah. 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 God is so good. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You might be seated. I tell you, with the weather the way it is, we don't know whether to turn the heat on, the air condition on. But uh, if you will be patient and gracious to us as we try to figure out all of that good stuff in these crazy warm, warm February season. Thank you, Jesus. I heard that. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God is so good. Come on. I, I feel like we've had church in church this morning. Come on. We've had a little church over here, a little church over here, a little church right here, a little church back there. Come on, right? Amen. Amen. And, you know, for me, I just want, I just want to know, Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. I want to know that prayer is not just a passing uh, thought. It's not just something that we talk about, but it's something that we understand a lifestyle of the believer. Amen? I mean, we are called to have communion with him. Him. Amen? And God wants us to make that a daily priority in our life. Thank you, God. Woo! I don't know, brother. About ready to run and shout a little bit. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. I just, it's like a fire shut up in your bones and you're just weary of holding it back, right? Just got to let it out sometime. Got to just give God glory, right? Got to praise his name. We can't, look, I don't want any rocks to crowd for me. I don't want any, you know, anybody else to, to praise in my place. Amen. I want to know that it's my lips giving praise to him, that is the fruit of my lips giving glory and honor to the King of kings and Lord of lords, for he alone is worthy. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. A few weeks ago, we began talking about the Great Commission and how the motive of what we do, the motive of our prayer, the motive of our going after, the motive of our reaching out to the world is the love of God. And how wonderful it is to know that the love of God is so rich and pure and measureless, amen, that he loves us so immensely and so intently that he was willing to even leave the throne room of heaven and, and, and be hung on a cross, willing to take the, the pain and suffering of the world to die on the cross for us. How immense and enormous is that love that God has for us. Thank you, Jesus, for the love, amen, that even while we were still in sin, come on, somebody, somebody said, well, I don't know about you. I mean, no. Every one of us have sinned, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what the Word of God says. No matter how deep that looks like for you or how shallow that looks, every one of us were on, on our way to a sinner's bound hell. Come on. But Jesus Christ loved us, and he gave himself for us so that we have a way where there was no way. He made a way for us who were broken, and he said, I love you this much. And he stretched out his arms on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And then last week we talked about prayer and how divine prayer is. And, and, we, and we talked about the fact that it's necessary for us to go into the inner, the, the secret place. So many times we, we neglect the word of God in Matthew chapter 6 and 6 when it tells us to go into the secret place and close the door behind you. And, the, and your father who sees you in secret will 
will reward you, right? And I believe that the church often misses the reward of the secret place because we don't spend time with the Lord in the secret place. Now look, he's not saying that we, didn't, we can't have corporate worship. I think that we have to come where two or three are gathered together. My name, I'm there in the midst. Uh, we understand that there is a sense of corporate that we need this encouragement from the body, but there's also the understanding that we need to find time alone with the Lord. Jesus gives us the greatest example because he found his way up to the mountain and he spent time by himself. Come on. And, and, and how do you understand? We've got to get time with God, right? If you want to hear the message of the Lord, you've got to tune your ears to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. You've got to get alone with God. You've got to spend time with him to hear what the, the Lord says. Amen? Amen. If you, if you don't spend time with your spouse long enough, you, you'll get crossed and mixed messages, right? And, 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 and that's never a happy moment. But when you spend time, I love it to see a couple that's been together many years and, and, and watch them sit beside each other. And you're sitting across the table and you, you see them literally, you know, chomping because they could just about answer each other's questions. They can just about know exactly what their, what their partner's about to say because they've been together so long. Listen, we need to be together with God so much that when God speaks, it's like, oof, we just know what God's about to do. We just can sense the presence of God about to do something enormous and wild and amazing because we just know God is amazing. Amen? Amen. And this morning, I want to continue in that rhythm and talk about the authority that we find in prayer. How I many know oh, we have authority in prayer? Amen. Now listen, I got, I, got another, I got a couple other preachers in here. I got to be, you know, make sure I'm being haved, right, Brother Bill? Come on. If I, get, if I get too wild or something, you can just jump on up and I'll give you the mic and we'll take off. We'll do a tag team this morning. We can do it, right? Amen. Mary's so happy, I, could, I mean, her ears are wet. She's smiling so big. I don't know. Slow down. Amen. I want, I want us to turn to Mark chapter 16, and I want us to look into Mark chapter 16 and, 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 and kind of digest this a little bit. Now, I mean, how many realize that in the synoptic gospels, when you talk about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mark is kind of the cliff note version, right? I mean, Mark was writing to people like me, uh, who's ADD. You know, it, it's a little choppy, but he just kind of gets to the point. He, 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 he glosses through the, the, the details, right? And sometimes when I'm in a conversation, I get lost in the details, you know? And I start daydreaming. Whoa, that's pretty. Woo, butterflies. And, and Mark kind of just jumps right in there and bam, bam, bam. He's, he's kind of giving that, that word. I mean, I, if you think of Mark, you, you wouldn't want to look at Mark as some historical, you know, as someone attempting to present a historical message here or in, in, in any kind of chronological order, um, you know, he, he's, just, he's just telling you, look, this is, this is what happened. Bam, 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 right? And, and so the purpose for, for me when I think of the book of Mark is kind of uh, to create an accurate, memorable account of an oral culture. I mean, how many understand that they would pass down from generation to generation? They would tell the stories of what took place, and it would be passed down from generation to generation. Sadly, as so many times, we miss out on the oral stories these days. Come on. 
we're left to wonder, what did God do back in that day? Or what did God do in your life? Because we don't tell the stories. If, if you think of 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, it says, share with other men who are able to teach others. In other words, it's an, still an oral message that has to be presented. It still has to be communicated. We still have to tell our testimony. We still have to let the word of God show through, shine through, and tell others about it. Amen? Amen. And so in looking at this, we also recognize that Mark, in Mark chapter 16, there's some gaps. There's a lot of stuff that happens that, that is not necessarily told about. It's just, like I said, a cliff notes version. So Mark chapter 16, verse 14 says, Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. And he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. Verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go into all the world. Come on. Preach the gospel to all creation. Verse 16, he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Verse 19. So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he, he, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. Father, I just pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will, this morning, open our eyes to truth. We recognize that the world wants to diminish our voice. We recognize that the world wants to, to gloss over truth, wants to take away truth, wants to diminish who we are as the body of Christ. But this morning, we pray that our eyes will be focused on truth and grasping a hold of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, may we submit and surrender to your plan and your will. Amen? Amen. So when I look at this passage, first of all, I see Jesus coming to the disciples. And we, we can recognize in the synoptic gospels that he, uh, this might have been the moment where you know, Jesus showed up and, and uh, the disciples were there Thomas was there and, and 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 he looks at Thomas and says put your finger in my hand Thomas because they were doubting and Matthew chapter 28 verse uh, 17 says when they saw him they worshiped him but some were doubtful in other words uh, not everyone that saw Jesus at that moment were just like, whoa, that's Jesus. There were some who saw and were still doubtful. Come on. I mean there's people in the kingdom that are still doubtful. Right, And we need to make sure that they understand the truth of God's word. They, know, they, they understand the fullness of God's word and the fullness of God's plan. And so in that moment, Jesus uh, told them, look, you know, hey, he, he kind of reproached or reproved them for not believing and not, uh, not accepting the truth that he had risen because, look, he had spent the time with them. He had risen from the dead. He had been with them. He had told them this was going to happen, and, and yet they still were doubtful, and he wanted them to believe. And then he gave them a declaration. He says, preach the gospel. Preach. Now, where did he want them to preach at? 
everywhere. Everywhere. As you go, everywhere you go, preach the kingdom. Preach this gospel to all creatures, right? All the world, everywhere. Everywhere you go, every person, not just to one sect, not just to one group, not just to those who you think would be good church attenders, not just to those who you think might help you out with something, but everyone needs Jesus. Everyone, everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs the love of God. Everybody needs to experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so before we get into the how and the why, I want us to elaborate a little bit more on the what, the message, the declaration, the preaching. And when I look at this word that's there that says preach, it literally is the word caruso. It means to herald. I didn't say herald. But to herald. Now, you know, we, we're, we're not accustomed to that. We're, you know, these days we've been watching a little bit of the 1800s, you know, and 1600s and 1700s little TV shows. Um, and, 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 you know, there were heralds that would come in and announce that this person is there and that person is there. And, and, and so when you think of a herald, it's someone who is official. They officiate the announcement. They officiate the message. They share with an authority uh, and proclaim uh, some kind of information, right? And, and when I think of this word, always, uh, it's always with a suggestion that there is a weight, a gravity, a formality, and, and an authority behind it. And, and because of that authority, it is something that needs to be listened to, but not just listened to, but obeyed. Bible says this, it says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, right? And so when we think of the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we understand that it is something that comes with an authority. It comes with a gravity. Look, if somebody ran into the building and said, hey, your building's about to fall down, we wouldn't just sit here twiddling our thumbs and let me think about that. It might happen and it might not. We would probably all in chaotic movement jump up, scatter, and go our different directions to find our way outside. If somebody come in yelling, there's a tornado about to hit, we wouldn't just wonder, well, maybe it might hit or maybe not. We, wouldn't, we would take that word because of the weight and authority that it brings, and we would find ourselves somewhere hiding to keep from the storm hitting us, right? Amen. And so when you think about this word, it is used for the public proclamation of the gospel and, and, and everything that pertains to it, whether it be by Jesus, whether it be by John the Baptist, whether it be by the apostles, whether it be by any Christian leader, or whether it be by any person that's in the faith, this is the proclamation that is to be shared that Jesus Christ is the King of glory. Amen. Amen. The, the question is, is what do we declare these days? What message do we bear? I mean, when we think of our faith and we are out sharing with other people, what do we declare? What do we bring to them that changes their lives? What is it that we bring to the table that would uh, entice them to be a part of the body of Christ? I mean, do we go to them and say, oh, man, we got the best pastor in the world. It's a good moment to say amen. I'm just saying. Do we, do we go around and we talk about, oh, man, our church, we do this and we do that and it's so good, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying those things if it's true. <laughs> 
Truth is a perception, right? Come on. You know, do we sit down and we talk about, you know, do we go into theological things like, oh, you know, the atonement, redemption, all of that? Do we get them so confused with theology that they're like, huh? What? What do we share? What is the truth? What is it that, that's absolutely transformative in the words that we share, in the words that we give, that, in, in, in the authority that we speak in? What is it that actually changes the lives of people? What is the true gospel? Amen. Yes, Pastor. When I look at the Word of God, I, I realize that when Jesus stepped onto the scene, said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Come on. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I think of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I realize that the prophetic words that were given throughout the Old Testament were not necessarily talking about the church. It was talking about a Messiah would come. Amen. And I, and I go back to the word of God and I read in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1 and 2. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish in her early times. He treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan. Galilee of Gentiles. Verse 2. The Lord who... The, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in, in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Come on, somebody. What is, the, what is this uh, truth? It is, it is that the Messiah is the light of the world. And no matter what darkness you find yourself in, the light can shine in your darkness. It goes on and says in verse 6 of that same chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. There will be no end. Somebody say no end. No end. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and the righteousness from then on forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Wow, what a powerful word. How often do we rely on, how often do we rest in that Jesus is the Prince of Peace? How often do we declare that he is the wonderful counselor? How often do we go about recognizing him as the mighty God? How often do we stop for a moment and say, you are the everlasting father from the beginning to the end forever and ever. You will be my Lord and my God and my Savior no matter what the world says, no matter what the world does. They might try to silence my voice, but I will stand on the rock that will stand forever. Kingdoms shall come and kingdoms will go but your word will stand forever and ever and ever. I will stand on you, my God. Come on, somebody. Amen. We get so uptight and so bothered by what people and the world will do. Why would we expect the world to do anything different but to walk in sin and anti-God? Because that's what the world is. Jesus said it this way. They hated me and they're going to hate you. Come on, somebody. But that don't mean I got to stop. Amen? I mean, prophetic word after prophetic word was given throughout the Old Testament of the Messiah coming. 
We can look at Isaiah chapter 11, 1, 1 through 9. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and strength. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what he sees, his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide the fairness for the effective, for the affected of the earth. Come on, somebody. Over and over these words permeate scripture of what the gospel is and and so therefore when Jesus in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 through 20 uh, through 21 when Jesus sitting in the synagogue goes and he grabs the book and he opens it to to Isaiah and begins making a declaration and this is the declaration that he made he says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted he has sent me to the to for me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant. He said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. Come on, somebody. The world needs to know that there's a Savior who's still on the throne. He's still the King of glory. He's still the King of kings. We can water down our worship. We can water down the message. But the reality still remains, no matter how much you water it down, no matter how much you try to compromise it, He's still God. He's still worthy of praise. He's still worthy of worship. He's still being glorified. And every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that He is the glory of the glory. Amen. Amen. I mean, can you imagine that moment being shepherds out on the, on the terrain and all of a sudden an angel of the Lord shows up? I mean, wow. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Come on, somebody say all people. All people. Not just for, uh, not just for Israel, not just for those in, 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 of the Jewish nation, but for all people. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Don't you love him? For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There's been a Savior. Christ the Lord. Now, to you and I, uh, we've always understood Jesus' last name was Christ. Jim, don't be laughing. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Well, they had to distinguish between all the other Jesuses because everybody was naming their son Jesus because uh, everybody was expecting the Savior to come. So everybody was naming their son Jesus. So we just put his name Christ on there. I mean, no, that's not true, right? For a Savior is born, Christ the Lord. You know, it's not like for that moment these shepherds had to think, well, well, what's that mean? They didn't have to wonder, what am I supposed to do about that information? They didn't have to sit around and contemplate and think, well, uh, okay, 
What's that? What's that? So? What's that mean to me? Right? They understood. They had an expectation that there would be a Christ. The word Christ means the anointed one is a transliteration. You've heard me talk about this. The anointed one, the Messiah, the anointed one represents the king. In other words, they knew that there would be a king. They had been expecting a king to come from the very beginning of time. They were wondering and waiting and longing for that time to come for the redemption of the world that the, that the king would show up. And so when this angel showed up and said, a savior has been born, Christ the Lord. Well, you, when you think of this word that's given for the word Lord, it literally means uh, everything belongs to him. He's the king in which everything belongs to him. He's the king and everything is subject to his authority. He's the king and he is sovereign over everything. If you really want to translate it, he is the mighty king. The savior has been born and he is a mighty king. Somebody needs to recognize that Jesus Christ is the mighty king of glory and the king of kings. Amen. Amen. I mean, look. From the very beginning of time, God told the people in Genesis chapter 1 and 28, he says, and God said, uh, be, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. What does it mean to subdue? To subdue means to bring under subjection to. It means to bring, uh, to tread underfoot. I mean, if you think about Numbers chapter 32, uh, where the Lord told them to go and tread, uh, to go into Canaan and take the land, right? He says, subdue the land, and then you'll be free. Well, guess what? If they didn't subdue the land, they would find themselves in sin because then they would have to put up with the inhabitants of the land because they did not subdue the land. Come on. And so it has been understood that we as the body of Christ, the people of God, are to subdue the land, right? And it goes on, says, and rule, in other words, take dominion over the birds of the sea, of the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, and all the habits of the land, right? So how do we do that? Well, we do that because we are in subjection and in Christ Jesus because Christ Jesus has come to take authority over everything in the world, over all everything, not just some things, but everything. Amen. So they understood in Genesis chapter 3 and 15 that, that sin had entered the world, but, but God had made a, a declaration. He says, that the seed of man, the seed of woman will come and it would, and he would crush, he would crush Satan under his feet and Satan would bruise his heel. They understood this as a, as a motto, as something that would take place. And so therefore when Jesus showed up, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the truth that the Messiah, the King has showed up and he will soon crush Satan under his feet. Come on somebody. Amen. Look, I'm just reminding us that we don't have to walk around under the subjection of the world. We don't have to walk around in fear of the, what the world may say or what the world may do or what decisions they may make. Now, I, I'm, I'm with you in understanding that as civilians living in this world, I have an obligation to do my civil duty, but ultimately my kingdom is not of this world. Somebody say amen. 
because I serve a king and his kingdom is much greater than this United States or whatever country you might be in. His kingdom is far better and above and it will not fail. Amen. Amen. Y'all do love me because, I, I mean, I'm super thankful and honored to be a part of such a great nation as the United States. I want you to understand that. But I recognize that even the Word of God says kingdoms will rise and kingdoms will fall. I recognize that my allegiance ultimately is to Christ Jesus, the King. They got it right when they uh, crucified him and they put on him the King of the Jews. He was the King, not just of the Jews. He was the King of everybody. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I mean, when, when you think of that, he's the, the gospel of Christ. You think of the gospel of God. Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It wasn't a theological debate. We don't see throughout scriptures them talk throughout the, the synoptic gospels, which we call the gospel. We don't see them debating on atonement. We don't see them debating or discussing uh, the, the blood atonement, the explanation of kingship. It's as if they understood that the Messiah, the king, would come because they had been waiting and preparing for that moment. How much more in this day and age when we've lost sight of what the kingdom is all about and we are so busy burying ourselves in theological idealisms that we need to get back into the understanding that Jesus Christ is the king of glory. He's the king of kings. He's the king of the church. And the church needs to recognize him as the head of the body. And we need to submit ourselves and surrender to him. And until we get under the authority of God, how can we expect to see the authority of God flowing through the church again? Amen. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. I know. I'm, I'm hurrying. When you think about the gospel of God, the gospel of, the, of, of Christ, we can go on for days to talk about who he is and what he does and what that means to us. And we, we, we could spend hours upon hours of, of, of looking at how awesome he is and what he's done for us and, 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 and what sacrifices he made so that we could be reconciled to him. I mean, over and over, we look at Romans chapter 1 and, and, and talk about how Paul described himself as a bondservant of Christ Jesus, of King Jesus. And later on, down in the verse, uh, Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. I'm not ashamed. I'm not going to walk around and, and, and be ashamed because I'm a child of God. I'm, it's not that I'm going to walk around, you know, uh, trying to condemn everybody else because they're not. But I'm not going to bow down and put myself in a box just because everybody doesn't agree with me. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ because I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of what he's done for me. I'm not ashamed that he is my Lord. I'm not ashamed that he's my Savior. Let them badmouth all they want to because I know the truth. I've read the back of the book and I know who wins. I know that they will. They will serve him. They will bow down to him. They will trust him because he will show himself. 
Amen. Amen. I mean, over and over again throughout, uh, throughout the book of Acts, we can see sermon after sermon, Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. We can see uh, the, the focus of repentance and the receiving of forgiveness. We can see all of that. And, and, and I would love to spend time talking about all of that. But here's what's important for us to grasp a hold of. As much as the world needs forgiveness, they need repentance first. Because until they bow that knee down before the Lord and ask for forgiveness of sin. And and what does that mean? What does that look like? I mean, literally what they're having to do is renounce the gods that they've been worshiping. Well, pastor, what if they say that they don't worship? What if they say they don't believe in God? Well, the, the sad truth is, is that Everybody believes in something. They're believing in something to get them by every day. They're believing in their self. They're believing in, you know, a God, the God. They're believing in something. They're believing in their jobs. They're believing in money. They're believing in government. They're believing in something. And at some point, when we recognize that Jesus Christ is the king and we are ultimately dependent on Christ Jesus for salvation, we're ultimately dependent on Christ Jesus for everything. If we want to participate in the divine, we've got to submit ourselves to the divine. We've got to submit ourselves to him because he is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only giver of life. And we need to submit ourselves to him and to his plan and to his will. We have to submit ourselves that Jesus Christ is the truth. And the truth is that Jesus is the king. Amen. Amen. I'll go back to say this again. Is that too many times we want to see the authority of God flowing through our churches. We ask the question, why don't we see miracles take place as much as we used to? Why don't we see God's movement like we used to see? Why don't we hear about demonic being cast out? Let me tell you something. It's still there. The idea is that until we truly recognize the righteousness of God and we submit to his righteousness because seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What about the kingdom of God? Seek first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Seek the king. Seek being submitted to the king and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. There has to be a submission to King Jesus. There has to be a recognition of his authority. Look, we walk in life, and and, and guys, this does not mean, I don't want you to really grasp all this. This is not judgmental by any means. This is the culture that we live in that, that we've allowed to shape us, and it's so easy to fall into the cultural narratives of self-serving and self-preservation and all these things. And we live in such a society that we've made even the kingdom of God all about us. If we're not happy, if we're not pleased, if the music doesn't go the way we want to, if, if the seats are not the color we like, if the carpet doesn't match, and all this stuff. And we've made our worship about all of that. We've made the worship about if the preacher preaches good or if the preacher preaches bad. or we made all of that.
Jesus Christ has to be recognized as the ultimate authority over the body of Christ and over our personal life. That when we get up in the morning and our, our first prayer isn't, God, help me with this and God, help me with that. And God, you know, I want to do this and God, I want to do that. Our ultimate prayer when we step out of the bed in the morning is, God, what do you want me to do today? God, where do you want me to go today? God, give me divine appointments today that I know that I'm in your plan and in your will. God, show up and show out. Lord, make me a vessel that's used by you. God, today, wipe away every agenda that I have. And Lord, intervene in every avenue. Recognize that he's the Lord of all. I've got to go to work, yes, but praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for the job you gave me today. God, I pray that in my job today that there's an opportunity to show somebody the love that you have shown, have showed me, God. That we make him, that we make him the authority of it all. And we recognize that he is the authority of it all. Then we align ourselves with his authority. And then everything we ask in his name becomes powerful. Because it's in tune with his plan, it's in tune with his will, it's in tune with his word. Because it's not, it's not our checklist and our, you know, our, our um, bucket list of the day. It's the list that God has designed and said, this is what I have prepared for you, my child. No wonder it says, after, uh, after uh, that passage of seek first of the kingdom of God, don't worry about tomorrow. For sufficient unto the day is the evil there. What's he saying? He said, quit trying, to, quit trying to worry about what you're going to do out there. Look, I'm not saying don't plan. Go plan your 401ks. Get all that stuff. I'm just saying, are you trusting God enough? Because if you're so bound by what you think should happen in today's life, in today of what you got to do, that you haven't given God space to say, Lord, you're able to wipe this away. I trust you for it all. It could be that if we would wipe away the agenda and say, Lord, this is what I've planned today, but God, I'm submitting this plan to you. And however you want to change it today, God, I trust you. Because if we will just do that and be willing to obey him in the process, that it could just be that more souls are saved because God could put somebody in your path. You've been looking over, but God's saying, this person I've been putting in your path every day, but you've not, you've not wanted to do it because you're doing your plan and not my plan. Woo, I don't know if this is a shout message today or not. God help us, right? Declaring Jesus as the ultimate authority. I mean, think about it. Romans chapter 5 and 10. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to head toward a close. Um, somebody wants to play something softly. I'm heading toward a close. I didn't say I was closing. I'm closing. Romans chapter 5 and 10 says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and 18 says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
Verse 20 goes on and says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Say that word with me, ambassadors. Ambassadors. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Think about that. As if God was making his appeal through us. Wow. Be reconciled to God. Look, somebody said, well, when Jesus told the disciples there in Matthew chapter 3, 14 and 15, when he, when he chose the disciples and he was sending them out, he said uh, to preach, he said, have a th- and to have authority to cast out demons. You know, somebody says, well, that was just for the apostles. That, that, that's not for today. That's not for this moment. That's just for those that died. What? So we're just uh, now, because the apostles aren't around anymore, we're just subject to being overrun by demonic? So now we just have to, well, we don't, we don't have power anymore. The apostles are gone. Just let them destroy us because we have no authority any longer. No. No. Absolutely not. When Jesus told them in Matthew 28, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things I've commanded you, and I will be with you until the end of the age. All authority. All authority. When I think about, did Jesus give this authority to anybody else? I'm reminded of Luke chapter 10 and 19 when he was talking to the 70. These were not the disciples. These were not the apostles. This was the 70 servants. And he looked at them and he said, Behold, I, I've given you the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Come on. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Not some, not three quarters, not half, but I've given you authority over all Somebody needs to grab a hold of this. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You've been given the keys to the kingdom of God. God is saying all my authority has been given to you. You have the power and authority over the enemy. Amen. Wow. Wow. Jesus broke down the authority of the enemy. He took the keys away of death, hell, and the grave. He's he's given us the keys to the kingdom, people. If we look at the word of God in Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that though that through death he might render powerless him who had the power over death, that is the devil. Jesus rendered Satan powerless. 
It drives me crazy when somebody goes around talking about, well, the devil's just attacking me today. Boy, the devil's been rough on me today. Would you quit giving him authority? Look, just because you have a bad hair day doesn't mean the devil's on you. I don't know if you're that important. Come on. Take the authority of God and rebuke the enemy in Jesus' name. You have no authority in this house, Satan. You have no power over my home. I've been bought with a price. I'm under the blood of Jesus Christ. I am a servant of the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's my God. He's my Lord. I'm his subject. I'm his ambassador. I carry about the message of God. You can come against me all you want to, but the Bible tells me that no weapon formed against me will prosper. It might be formed, but I know that I'm a winner. I know that I'm victorious. I know that he's my God and I am his child. Amen. 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 Colossians 2 and 15 says, when he disarmed the rulers and authority, he made a public spectacle. Come on, somebody. He made a public display of them having triumphed over them through him, Christ Jesus. Revelations 12. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. Hear this now. Has been thrown down. He's been thrown down. He who accuses them before God day and night and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony and they did not love their life even when faced with death guys we've been given authority when we pray we're not going around begging God to do something we're not we're not beg God please 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 no God's already one victory Satan has already been defeated the enemy has already been cast down what you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven what you loose has already been loose you need to understand that you carry the authority of God as the ambassador of God to the world and the message you carry is powerful it's not well will you please just love Jesus no look Jesus is the king of glory whether you like it or not you will bow down one day and he is the king of God he is God's son he is the one who has created the heavens and the earth and one day if you don't believe me now one day you will know it you can bash me you can talk about me you can cut me you can burn me you can crucify me but there's one thing for sure Jesus is still king he's still God he's still on the throne I'm just like the three Hebrew boys but if not if even if God doesn't show up to save me right now I know this he's still God amen Woo! <laughs> He's still God. And I will worship him in the worst. I will worship him even when the king of this world says, bow down. I'm sorry, king, I'm not going to. 
I'm going to worship God in the worst. Because I know if I worship Him in the worst, when the fire is seven times hotter, when it gets ugly, when everything else says, oh, it's bad, I know this, but there's a fourth man, and he's walking with me in the fire. I don't have to worry. I don't have to wonder. I know that God is with me. He's walking through the fire with me. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to burn. I know that He's with me. Woo! My plea with you this morning is, Will you walk in the authority that God's given you? Will you be willing to say, I rebuke the gods of this world. I renounce my dependence on everything else other than God. And I surrender to Him today. Well, Pastor, I'm saved. Look. It's an everyday submission. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 6 and 11. I consider myself dead to sin. In other words, it's a consideration that I have to consider every day. Because guess what? As long as I'm living in this old body, I have to submit it to Jesus every day. Jesus, I consider myself dead to sin. Every connection... Every dependence on everything other than your truth, God, I submit to you and I ask your forgiveness. Lord, today I recognize you are the king of my home. You're the king of my family. You're the king of my life. You're the king of my job. You're the king of this place of worship. You're the king. And Lord, I recognize your kingship and today I ask you, Lord, forgive me for trusting in any other thing other than the kingdom. And today I pray that the voice that comes out of my mouth will be as an ambassador, recognizing that the words that I share, the words of my mouth, as David cried out, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in my sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, that the words of my mouth are vivid presentations they're containers of the authority of God and when I speak may I speak with the authority that God's given me and understand that my words carry a weight and God forgive me for just passive speech but today we declare that our prayer life has just changed today we declare that our understanding of how we pray has just been energized Today, we recognize that the authority in which we pray and declare the things of God is now backed by the truth and the Word of God. And we surrender to you, Jesus. Today, there's ones in this room who's had some major barriers. And Lord, I pray that the declaration that comes out of their mouth is that the mountains will be removed. Lord, I pray for provision to be flown through in the name of Jesus as they declare the truth of your word, as they see the miraculous taking place because now they speak not of the tongue of, of the men but of angels of the heavenlies of the divine Jesus have your way Jesus have your way. If you say, Pastor, 
I want to see God move in my home. Would you just stand right where you are? I want to see God move in my home. I need to see a miracle. Yes. 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 Amen. I need to see a miracle. Yes. 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 You know, I want to say, I want to say, you know, there was a, a little lady that years ago, she began singing this song. She says, we, we declare your glory in this place. We declare your glory in this place. Declare your glory. Declare your glory. We declare your glory in this place. And she went through and began to declare salvation. She, she began to declare deliverance. And this morning, those of you who are standing, I want us to pray and I want you to declare whatever it is that you're needing in your home, whatever it is. First of all, I want you to say, Lord, I surrender to you. And Lord, I ask your direction, your leadership. And as God reveals himself into that situation, I want you to declare what he reveals to you in your home, all right? Father, we lift you up. God, we exalt you. We recognize this morning that you are the king of glory. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the truth, the gospel. And Lord, that when people understand the truth of the gospel, that you are the king eternal, the king forever and ever, Lord, that they, Lord, will be drawn to you by your spirit, Lord, and recognize. And today we surrender to you. And Lord, whatever it is, God, that we are dealing with, whatever it is, God, that we are carrying, whatever miracle that we need, God, we ask, Lord, your direction. And Lord, we declare your will to be done. We declare your truth to be revealed. We declare deliverance. We declare salvation. We declare wholeness. We declare your work to be fulfilled in our home, in our situation, because you are God and we are your servants and we are submitted to you as ambassadors, ambassadors of Christ. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way in every home. Have your way in every life. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Lord, we surrender to you, Jesus. Here we are, Lord, available. And Lord, we carry about your authority, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Father, I pray for those who recently lost a loved one, and I know that we've had several who've passed away over the last few months. I pray for Brother Mosier. I pray for Brother Brad. God, I pray for Janine. Lord, I pray for Sandy and Lowell. God, that you'll just touch them in the loss of their son. Lord, I just pray, uh, and there's several, God, who have faced the loss. And I pray that you'll just give peace in the midst of their storm. God, that you will be the peace speaker, that you will comfort them in this tragedy, Lord, in this loss. Lord, be with them, hold them, embrace them, love them, God. Encourage them, Lord Jesus, today. Lord, we honor you. And we praise you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. I'm looking forward to seeing what God is doing right here at Amcog. Amen. I love you guys. Next week, we'll have our month, monthly communion. Prepare your hearts for that. Invite others to be a part. Um, the children are preparing for a play at the end of March on Palm Sunday. Uh, if your kids are involved in that, please make sure that they are uh, there at the practices and preparing. If you'd spend some time and are looking for something to be a part of, there's a table in the back. It has several different things that you can sign up for. We'd love to be a part of that. Uh, guys, we need children's workers. Um, it's exciting times. When, when our children's ministry is growing beyond our uh, help, we need help. <laughs> And, and if you have a heart for children, we're not asking you to be locked in and stuck in the children's church room every Sunday. We're just looking for extra hands. If you'd like to be on a rotation to be able to help our children's ministry, we need you. Um, and we want you to be a part of that because it's great things going on back there. Amen. Lives are being challenged and transformed in our children's ministry. If you're interested, please uh, see Miss Susan or myself and I'll help point you in the right direction we are so thankful for all that you do and all that you're a part of and all that you uh, um, help with in the church thank you so much God bless you guys love you